This is David's Book Talk, bringing authors and book lovers together in a unique way since 2009. Visit us at davidsbooktalk.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash davidsbooktalk. But first, pull up a chair, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Here's your host, David English. Hello and welcome to David's Book Talk. And boy, do we have a good author today. Kathy Reich's number one New York Times best-selling author. And her newest book, number 22, I think it is, in the series, The Bone Hacker. Oh, what a title this is. Hello. Hello. <laughs> that really gets right to the point, The Bone Hacker. <laughs> well, it has a couple meaning because... Um the story is that Tempe gets asked to go to Turks and Caicos Islands to help find a serial killer who's hacking off his victim's left hand. But while she's there, the FBI become involved, and it expands to an investigation of cybercrime and the hacking into of security systems and online networks. So it has a double meaning, the hacking off the hands and hacking into Cyber yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just under 100 pages left to read, and I'm just enjoying it so much. I wish I was reading it now. <laughs> it re you really get into the story. And, I mean, Tempe, she never has an easy time, does she? <laughs> no, she gets herself into some situations, but she manages, usually, to get herself out. Right. Do you, do you enjoy putting her in those situations? Oh, yeah, and I think that's the definition of a thriller rather than just a, a mystery or a, a tea cozy is that there has to be a threat to either your protagonist or people close to your protagonist. So, yeah, I put her in some kind of danger. Right. So this is book 22. Are you, I mean, and you're still writing really good books, and that's amazing because the series can get very old very quick if you don't if you don't keep them fresh. But you, you have found a way to keep every book fresh. How do you do that? Oh, it's hard. Well, I work on it, um, and I'm glad to hear you say that. I had a lady come to one of my events this past week when I was on tour and say, "Thank you so much for not mailing it in. You know, for making each book fresh and original." I do use the same um, core cast of characters, um, but they move around. I mean, I changed the setting. This one is set in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Um, and the plot, you always, my books are mysteries. They're murder mysteries, but the difference is that the solution is science-driven. So I try to use a different type of forensic science in each of the books. So I take that and kind of blend it together, The what's going to be, the, the characters, what's going to be the setting, what's going to be the, the crime, and then what's going to be the science that drives the solution of the crime. So all of that I blend into hopefully new and different ways. Right, and, and it does. And you, when you think about 22 books, you know, it's so easy to, to start repeating yourself. But I, I don't think you ever have. You, it's, I, and I, it amazes me with authors how they're able to do that. You know, cause Well... It takes work. It, it takes a lot of things. One of the things you have to do in each book, because it might be the very first book a reader picks up in the series, but it might be the 22nd book a reader picks up in the series. So each time you have to reintroduce your cast of characters and your main premise, but you have to do it in a new and creative way. And I don't like to just do it as narrative. Um, I've 
done it in some books where Tempe is bored and she's sitting in a faculty meeting and she starts writing her autobiography. I've done it where the book opens where she's on the stand testifying in court and she's being cross-examined and that's how to bring out you know, information about who she is and what she does. But each time you have to figure out a different way to, to provide that that information. And that's not easy. It, I mean, it's not easy. And yet every page has to be fresh and new. I mean, readers will notice if you're if you're repeating yourself or, or if they've read this story before. Readers have a way of, of being able to tell everything. Well, exactly. And then they just shift to a different author. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a scary thought, too. <laughs> yeah. But I've never had I've never had a bad experience reading your books. I really have never had a bad experience. And and I can tell I, I interviewed you before, so I know what a, a nice person you are, obviously. And it, <laughs> I would Thank you. we wouldn't be doing this again if it were a bad experience the first time. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But do you. I assume that you're a lot like Tempe, uh, that there's a lot of similarities between you two, or is that not true? Well, I think so. When I wrote the first book, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, so when I created my protagonist, I decided to just use myself as a model. So she's, um, you know, a female. She's a scientist. She's smart. She's sassy. She's a forensic anthropologist. She commutes between the Carolinas and Montreal, although she gets around. She goes to other places as well. Um, she's got a fairly dry, sarcastic sense of humor. All of those things, I think, are based on me. Now, she's also her, her own person, and she has her own world and her own relationships, and those are strictly She's a non-drinker, for example. I wanted the character to be approachable, to not be perfect, so I wanted her to have flaws. So she's an alcoholic, but she doesn't drink. I don't make a big deal of it in the books, but um, that's certainly different from me. <laughs> Do you ever get tired of writing them? I don't. Not yet. Not yet. Um, usually I finish the book, I turn it in, I have... I don't know, a month or so, and I do other things, and then the book comes back, I do the editing, turn it in, and then I, ha I take a little break, but I'm already thinking about the next book, already kind of plotting it in my mind, so I don't think I'm tired of it at all yet. That's great to hear, because I think the reader will notice if you are, because then it'll start being, you know, the same, like I said, the same things over and over again, and I haven't noticed that in any of your books, so that's really been that's nice. There were a couple of years where you didn't publish any books. What was happening then? Was it, is, is that okay for me to ask that question? Well, I had a little medical situation, but it's totally resolved, and I just, I just took a little time off. Um, what was the other thing? I think I switched publishers in there. I switched back to my original publisher. I was, uh, the, the early books were published by Scribner, and my agent persuaded me to switch to Random House, and after a few books, I switched back to Scribner, where I am now, very happily. So I think all of that was taking place during that, that hiatus. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was a little worried. I thought, oh, I wonder if we're going to have any more books. You know, as a reader, you think, you know, you wonder about these things. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But I think I had heard something about you having some kind of medical problem, and I'm glad you're better. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I wrote about that. Um, I had this issue, so I gave it to Tempe in, and I forget which book it was, the conspiracy book, the conspiracy oh, okay. of what? Yeah, she's got the same situation, resolved equally successfully. Oh, now I can just read it and see what, <laughs> I think, I don't think I read that one. I think it's one of the ones I haven't read, but I'm, I'll have to go back now. I'm really curious. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be curious, but I am. I can't help myself, I guess, sometimes. Now, 
I mean, there were 12 seasons of Bones, which I, let me tell you, I, I can't tell you how much I, I, I've enjoyed every episode of that show. I mean, the humor in that, the, the, the characters are just so real. I mean, it's like no other CSI, even though I, I don't know if you would consider it a CSI show, but it's sort of in the same vein. But it's, there's such a difference with that show. There's something about the, the way the characters interact that I've never seen in any other show. We, um, and we worked at that. We, that's what we wanted to do. Uh, I was approached by a number of production offers, and none of them was really the right one until Hart Hansen and Barry Josephson approached me. We were all on the same page. We wanted it to be a character-based show. We didn't want it to be just another police procedural. We wanted to keep it plausible, keep the science plausible, and we wanted to put humor in the show, and that's hard. I, I put it in my books, and each book and each episode of the show deals with violent death, so you really have to handle that in a very delicate way, and I think, I think our writers did, a, did an excellent job of that. And, of course, Emily and David were, were wonderful, and the chemistry between them was wonderful. Yeah, it really, it really was something special for twelve years, and and I I I I've tried to talk my brother into watching. For some reason, he won't watch the show. Every time I talk to him, I try to I try to get him to watch the episode. It, it's weird how shows can appeal to one person and not another. I don't know. Obviously, Bones had a mass appeal. There were there were a lot of fans out there. I'm sure they were disappointed when the ending came. It has to come at some point, I guess. You can't go well, on forever. We're still the longest-running scripted drama in the history of Fox, so oh. we did something right. Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you went over the, the X-Files. You were way past the X-Files. I don't know. They, they were there a lot. Well, I don't know if they lasted 12 years. I think they lasted nine. If I'm, cor if I'm okay. correct, it was nine years. I, I could be wrong about okay. that. Another enjoyable well, show, by the way. But Yes. What, are you having anything to do with this podcast that's coming up that Emily's starting? No, that's Emily and Carla. Carla was one of our interns. She played Daisy. Um, and that's something that they're doing. I'm sure they're going to, I think they have already invited me to be on the podcast. But um, no, that's, that's all their own. Right. Will you, will you be doing any of the podcast? Sure, I'll appear as a guest on the podcast. If, I think they've invited me. No dates have been set yet. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that. Where will we be able to hear that when it starts airing, do you know? I honestly don't know. I assume it will have an internet address, and you just go to that internet address. Isn't that how podcasts work? Yeah, yeah. I guess it. <laughs> I'm not exactly computer savvy like I should be. I know some things, but never. You can never know enough about computers. It seems like. There you go. <laughs> so, so this is book twenty-two. You're already you're already working on book twenty-three. I am. Um, it's going to be called Fire and Bones. And it is set in Washington, D.C., and it's going to bring in some very interesting history of the District of Columbia. It involves a fire. It starts out with a fire, thus the title, Fire and Bones. So we're going to learn a bit about arson and arson investigation and the impact of fire on the human body. And um, also some interesting history for the District of Columbia going back into the 20s and 30s. Do you ever... Are you still doing things? I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be blunt about this, but do you still do things with dead bodies? I mean, are you still working on that? No, I'm pretty much retired. I'm full-time writing now. You're full-time writing. Do you miss that at all? Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I do, although 
it was always this dichotomy when I was at home and hadn't gotten a lab call in days. I think, well, you know, why aren't I, they calling me into the lab? And then when I would get the call, come into the lab, we have a case we want you to look at. And I think, well, I can't do that. I have to stay here and write, you know. So I was always torn between doing the forensic casework and, and writing the books because I have always, from the very beginning, been on a book-a-year contract. Right. How far into the series did you realize that you were going to do it full-time? I mean, they pretty, you pretty much were, were a success right off the, out of the gate, weren't you? Yeah, Deja Dead went right onto the New York Times bestseller list, which was astounding, and I still don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, I continued to teach university. When I wrote Deja Dead, I was teaching full-time university. <laughs> Excuse me, I have a little throat thing from yeah. in the tour. Um, and I was also commuting between the Carolinas and uh, Montreal doing forensic case work. So um, I really had to had to structure my schedule uh, to be able to fit everything in. Now I'm retired from university teaching, and I'm focused, and I'm pretty much retired from forensic casework. So I have the freedom, the luxury of just focusing on on the writing. That's really great, because I know it's what you enjoy, obviously. You wouldn't have written 22 books if you didn't enjoy it on some level. You have to. <laughs> That's true. But it, like you said, it, 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 it's also work, though. It is. It is work, but um, I do enjoy it. And in my own twisted way, though, I did enjoy uh, the forensic casework as well. Well, which, what do you, which do you think was, is harder, writing the books or doing the forensic work? They're just different. They're just so different. Um, you know, writing the books, you sit at the computer all by yourself at the keyboard, you know, and just hammer out ideas, pages. Um, going into the lab, you're interacting with colleagues, and there's all the buzz going on around you. Because of, of, I worked at a full-spectrum crime and medical legal lab, so every day it was what's going to be going on today, and there'd be something new and new and different. I, I can't imagine. See, I I wouldn't be good with dead bodies. I, <laughs> it would it would bother me. I guess I, I'm I'm too sympathetic, uh, but I don't I, I I don't understand how I I mean I I'm, I'm amazed at how you can do that and 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 still not let it bother you so much. The death. Well, it's, not, it's, it's not for everyone. And as I've said, or maybe it was Tempe said, we work with the dead, but we work for the living. Right. We try to get answers to families and testify in court to, you know, if someone was responsible for violence against another to get that person off the street. So you just keep that. That's the, that's the long game that you keep in mind. Did you ever have problems with it when you were first doing it? Was it, was it hard for you to do? or was No, was... no it, it really wasn't. I came into it through bioarchaeology, through working with, archaeologically recovered skeletons, those are a bit cleaner. You don't have, you know, the decomposed flesh or the burned flesh or the mummified flesh that I sometimes have to do deal with in the forensic lab. But no, it, it, I just uh, was always interested in physiology and in human anatomy. And as a kid, I collected bugs and spiders and dissected frogs. And so I, it, just didn't bother me at all. So nothing really bothers you. <laughs> Are you scared of anything? No, there's a there's a type of uh, maggot called a cheese skipper, and they jump as you're working. They can be coming off the body and falling onto the floor and onto the 
autopsy table, and they jump. They're hopping all over the place. I could do without without those. I don't care for those. <laughs> I'm not a, yeah, they're kind of creepy. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm getting this vision in my head of these things jumping off the bodies. And it's yeah, they're little. They're little, and they form themselves into like a, a crescent shape and then pop themselves up, I guess. That's what they do. <laughs> now, have you ever been to the Turks and Caicos Islands? I have. My daughter was married there um, oh, wow. several years ago. So I've been there probably four times now. I went specifically to do research this, this past year uh, when I decided that's where I would set the book. And that's really because when you read the book, you're you're kind of it's so descriptive of the islands. I, I I figured you had to have been there at some point. Oh yeah, and they're just so beautiful. And I don't write about a place I haven't been. Um, I've sent her Tempe to Guatemala. I've been there exhuming a mass grave. I've sent her to Israel. I went there for two weeks and researched Israel. She's gone to the Maritimes, to Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. She's gone to the Northwest Territories up in Yellowknife. She's gone to Afghanistan because I went to Afghanistan on a USO tour to thank our troops for their service. So if I go somewhere and it appeals to me or seems like it would be an intriguing setting for my readers, I put that in the book. Well, that's cool. And, and what better way to, for the reader to truly experience the place than you've actually been there and you can describe it in total detail. Right. And, and that's, that's what makes it. What do you, what do, you do for fun? I mean, do, you ever, do, you have time, do you get time to read? Do you get time to oh, have yeah. any hobbies? Yeah, I read a lot. Um, I read thrillers. I want to know what my colleagues are doing. I don't want to get 200 pages into a book and find out that Harlan Coben just you know, dealt with fire, which is the main theme of my next book. So I do keep up with, with the field, um, but I don't just read thrillers. I read all over the map, actually. Um, what else do I do? I tried golf. That really did not work out for me. Um, but I do play pickleball. Um, I hope to play more pickleball once the weather cools down a little bit here in the Carolinas. I have six grandkids, so I love spending time with the grandkids, um, I have a beach house down on one of the barrier islands off Charleston, South Carolina. So I go there a lot, and the kids come down there a lot. So I do, you know, what everybody, what normal people do. <laughs> you have a you have a pretty full life. It 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 has its moments. It's not bad. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I wasn't suggesting that that you don't work hard for it. Of course you do. I'm just. It, <laughs> It's, but to hear you describe it, and, and I can tell that it, it brings you a lot of joy. And, of course, your yes. grandkids, I'm sure they bring you a lot of joy. Oh, they're great. They're fantastic. Do you, does they're your family great. read your books? Do they? What do they say about them? I'm curious. Well, the kids are a little young. The two oldest are only 13. So right. they read my self series. My son and I wrote the Virals series, which is right. six young adult series. Temperance Brennan's 14-year-old great-niece and her friends. Um, yeah, but the rest of my, I think they do. I think they read my books. I know some, for sure some of them do. Others, maybe. <laughs> so I assume you keep in touch with some of the cast of the TV show. So. I, mainly, and our showrunner, Hart Hansen. I keep in close contact with those two. Oh, that's, that's really cool to hear. Because mm -hmm. not everybody gets a chance to have their books be as, for 12 years be on the air. And, and you know. Yeah, I yeah, and when it's 12 years, you do become a family. It's a cliche, but you work with the same people, with the writers and the crew 
and the on-camera talent and the producers. And, you know, you just really get to know each other over that period of time. What does it feel like to have a number one bestseller? What does that feel like? It, well, I'm always stunned. Um, it feels great. <laughs> you know, it's like asking an athlete after they win the Super Bowl, how does it feel? You know, it feels, it feels good. But that's, I mean, uh, that's a tremendous thing to, to achieve. I mean, a lot of people don't achieve that. That's, that's correct. Um, and not every book makes it to number one, but every book has made it to the top ten, the New York Times. So that's very gratifying to know that people find this character appealing, they find her world appealing, and um, they keep coming back for more. One of the things I really like about your books is the dialogue. You have such you have such great dialogue in your books, and the more you get into the book, the more the dialogue comes to the front. I l absolutely love that. Sometimes you read a book and it's way too descriptive, and you're like, "Can we get on with the story?" You know, you just want to. <laughs> and yeah, I like to write dialogue, and that's. I think I said it, it, it's hard to put humor into a book that deals with violent death, and that's usually the way I do it. As I put the humor in via the dialogue, the repartee between Tempe and Ryan, or between Tempe and, in the last book, she worked with a detective monk. Um, oh, no, it's this book. Yeah, that's this book. <laughs> yeah. I have to remember, because I'm totally immersed right now in writing book number 23, so I have to go back and remember what this book was about. Yeah, so that's fun, to have someone that, that, that they can play off of each other like that. Yeah, Monk is a character. He's really a character. You got, and there's some other characters in this book, which I won't mention because I don't want to give anything away, but they're, they're really interesting people in this book. I'm laughing at a lot. It's serious, but I, it makes me laugh nonetheless. Good, good. Because she... Do we know how? Do we know approximately Tempe's age at this point, or does it does it matter? Are you keeping it from us, or? Yeah, I'm not keeping. I've just always been vague about it because one of the problems, and and of course, when I started with Deja Dead, I didn't know this would become a 22 book series. But with a series like that, one of the problems you have to address is: Well, do you age your characters? You and some authors do it one way, some do it another. You can age them in real time. I think um, Robert Parker may have done that with Spencer. You can um, kind of hold them frozen in time. I think Sue Grafton did that with her Milhouse, Kenzie Milhouse character. Or you can do kind of a hybrid, and that's what I've done. She's aged throughout the series because the people around her, her daughter has aged. Um, I think her cat must be about 55 years old by now. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her age, you know, I was vague from the outset, and I'm still vague. She's, you know, she's north of 40, clearly, but um, if you were to add that and 22 books, she's not that old yet. I'm curious, Tempe, are there, are there women like that in the world today that are doing as much as she is, as far as doing the investigative work, too? She gets involved in the um, detective work a lot more than most forensic scientists do a lot more than I did. I would work with the detective. I would go with a police team if I was asked to help recover remains or exhume remains. But I didn't go out and do the gumshoe type of investigation that she sometimes gets involved in. And most forensic scientists do not. They work in their labs and uh, prepare their 
you know, examine their cases and prepare their reports and answer questions and give reports to the detectives, but they don't really go out other than the primary, you know, a, a blood spatter pattern analyst would go to the scene, of course, and, you know, collect the data on the scene. But beyond that, you don't go tracking down suspects and interviewing possible perpetrators. I love the scene where she's driving in the car and something really major happens. I think you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to go into detail, but I, I love that scene. It, it's it's one of those, I, I didn't expect it, and I thought, oh my goodness, what's happening here? And you, know, you get this picture in your head of of her, of that happening to her. And, and when, the, when the readers read it, they'll know what I'm talking about. But it, I really like the way you do that. And I, you know, I also like the way you end the chapters and you give a little hint as to what's going to happen next. That's really cool. Thank you. Danglers. Chapter Danglers. Yes, yeah. I work hard <laughs> to get you turning the page. I'll do one more chapter before I turn off the lights. Exactly, and it gets you like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Now that she dropped that little hint, what what is she going to do to these these people? What's going to? That's really really cool, and I don't, I don't, can't think of any other authors that do it like you like that. So you, I would have to think about that. I don't know. Well, thank you. Anyway, I try. I work hard on that. I think there is somebody else, but I, not like you do it. I think you, you. That explains, by the way, the, the way you had a certain print when you first started at Scribner. I think your books, they had a certain really, I don't know, it was, it was some kind of font in okay. your books and that I don't see now. So they must have changed the font, I guess. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, over the years we may have changed the font. I know the early books all had a black uh, first, you know, title page, like the first five books, and it makes it really hard to sign those books. So oh. we we did that, but so you've been you've been refining it over the years to make to make yeah. it easier on you. And are you doing? You say you are doing a tour with this book, or you have done a tour already? I've done a tour. The travel wasn't all that bad this year, um, but now I'm doing two two weeks of virtual promotion. Now, since your book is set in DC for next year, is there any there's there any possibility you might be at the the book thing in the DC? The National Book Festival. Yeah. Is that, I would love to do that. I hope so. I hope my publicist jumps on that and gets me invited. That would be incredible to be able to meet you because that's a great book festival. Yes, I've done it in the past years ago when Laura Bush was still in the White House, and it was. She was such a promoter of literacy that the book festival was really a big, a big one. So, are there still things about Tempe we don't know? Um, yes, I'm not sure I know what they are yet, but I have to come. You have to keep your character evolving. Um, so, yes, I'll be revealing things that that I think of for her, and can't tell you what they are right now. But yes. Well, that's that's intriguing. Even just to hear you say that, it, it intrigues me more. I really, I really do enjoy reading your books. I, I don't just say that. I really do. I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't enjoy your books. So there wouldn't be any point to it. So, do you have a favorite author? Do you have an author that you never miss any of their books? Or oh, there's so many authors that I enjoy. Um, I, I've just discovered a new one. What's his name? Lou Burney. Oh, I know that name. It's, it's very good. I've just read the first of his, but I have just ordered the second of his, so I'm looking forward to to that. Um, I like the darker. I like 
Michael Connolly. I like Harlan Coben. I like Dennis Lehane. I like um, Karen Slaughter. Um, but but as I said, I, I read other than just um, thrillers. I like David Baldacci. I don't know. I always go blank when someone asks me who are my favorite authors. I was looking up some of those Jewish terms in your book. Um, I, I don't want to give too much away, but there, some of those terms, and I, I didn't understand what they were, so I had to look them up to make because I'm not Jewish and I don't. <laughs> oh. And uh, But it was interesting to be able to look them up to see what they are. When you read a book and you learn new things, it's always great. I try anytime I use a foreign term, whether it's Yiddish or you know French or whatever, I do try to explain it within right. the next paragraph or so. Um, but I do use, I did use some Yiddish, I think it was, just, and I had to look all that up because I'm not Jewish either. And then I had someone who's Jewish read it to make sure I'd gotten it correct. Now, you, okay, so you have the idea for the book. Do you do the research first, or do you do the research while you're writing the book? Well, how does that work? Both. I do a chunk of research before I begin writing, but then as I write, I'm constantly going out, I write on a computer. Um, so I constantly go out to check every every little thing as I'm writing it. Like, can you make a left turn off uh, Pennsylvania Avenue onto whatever in D.C.? I'll go and check and make sure that that, that can happen. That's really cool because uh, uh, you wouldn't think a lot of authors had the time to do that, but you make the time to do that. So it, that means you really care about writing a book that is totally authentic, and that's it's not yeah, easy to do. I think it comes from my background as a scientist that I feel compelled that every single thing has to be correct and accurate. What is the one thing you haven't done that you would like to do? Is there anything? Oh my goodness, there's so many things I'd, ah. Places I'd like to travel that I haven't been, although I'm kind of running out of places that I haven't been. Um, I'm going on a, a cruise to the Middle East that, uh, because we're on a cruise ship in January, I think it is. So I'm looking forward to that. I haven't been to Saudi Arabia and, the, well, I've been to the Emirates, but a lot of those places I haven't. So I'm looking forward to that. That's cool. Have a great time doing that. Well, we have Thank to you. let you, we have to let you go. Boy, half hour goes fast, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it's already it's already up, and I'm I'm missing talking to you. It's been such a, a pleasure to talk to you again. I always enjoy talking to you, even though we've only talked okay. twice. Thank you so much. We'll do it again um, when Fire and Bones comes oh, out. I, oh, I can't wait. I just want to mention the book again, The Bone Hacker. It's half from Scribner. It came out August 1st, so you'll be able to get all your bookstores and online everywhere you can. And this has been David's Book Talk, and we'll talk to you next time. You have just enjoyed the podcast of David's Book Talk, brought to you by your host, book lover, David English. Please visit us at davidbooktalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to our podcast. We want to hear from you, and we don't want you to miss our upcoming shows with top authors like Mary Higgins Clark, Patricia Cornwell, Lisa Scottolini, Jackie Collins, Nelson DeMille, Michael Connolly, Sue Grafton, Steve Martini, Dale Brown, David Baldacci.